a lot of it is about being able to control something. Um, and like food and exercise is something that I thought I could control. And I know you relate to this. Like I could control how many meals I was eating and what time I was eating them. Welcome to Weighing In on Happy, the only podcast that dives deep into discussions around weight, eating disorders, mental health, body image, intuitive eating, wellness, confidence, and so much more. Each week, you'll be coached through different stories and strategies on how to start living your best life today. So if you're ready, here's your host, Victoria Evans. Hey, you guys, welcome back to Weighing In on Happy. I am Victoria Evans, your host, and I am so super excited to be joined today by Jillian Axelrod. So thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, Jillian. Thank you so much, Victoria. I'm really excited to be here. I am so excited to chat and connect with you. And you guys, you literally just talked for like 20 minutes before this. We're like, hey, we actually need to start, you know, having a bit of a structured podcast here because we were just talking and talking and talking. Uh, we have so much in common. You're friends uh, with Naomi from Diet Culture Sucks, who I'd also had on the podcast. Um, and I just see your account and you're so real and vulnerable. And yeah, I just, I knew I had to have you on as well. Thank you. Yeah, it was really cool, actually. I got to meet Diet Culture Sucks, aka Naomi, in New York last week, and she happened to be in town, and we hung out, and we talked about all kinds of things, body positivity and other things, Um, and she told me about your podcast, and I was so excited when you asked me to be on it, so it's really great to be here. She told you about my podcast? Yeah, she loved being on it. (laughs) Oh my god, I'm like, that is so cool because I fangirl her and then she talks. I feel like such a loser right now being like, she talked about me, like, you know, like in a crush says like, does he like me? Did he say that? Like, I love this. I think we all kind of fangirl each other. That's definitely the feeling I'm getting because I fangirl both of you. Oh my God. I'm loving this. Like it's, Oh, I'm in such a space right now where I'm just every single strong woman that I see like owning their message and being vulnerable and putting themselves out there. I'm just like standing behind them, just like clapping, being like, yes, girl, you fucking go. And like, that is what we need more in the world of is just fangirling each other instead of trying to tear each other down and like be like, oh, who wore it best and this and that. Like, no, we're fucking owning it. We all have a message. We're strong. We're supporting each other. And I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. I could not agree more I'm just so into the same mode of like hyping each other up because that's what we need to be doing any you know woman out there who has like a strong message or just helping each other to amplify each other's voices it's just like where we really need to be going in the future and right now oh it's just it's so I literally like (laughs) a friend of mine the other day said they'd gotten a new job and I literally like chest bumped I'm like fuck yes girl like chest (laughs) bumped like I just got like (laughs) so into it (laughs) but Jillian like seriously you're such inspiration to so many people you know you share your strong and your solid message around body positivity and self-acceptance on social media and you're an activist and a writer and you're in your final year at Columbia University you're killing it yeah thank you it's kind of crazy um, that I'm in my final year of college I haven't really come to terms with it yet or um, acknowledged it within myself But yeah, I'm at Columbia and I'm in a dual program with the Jewish Theological Seminary. Mm. So I'm studying, getting two degrees, um, hopefully in four years, and I'm studying sociology at Columbia. So that definitely helps with my perspective on all of these issues. And then at the Jewish Theological Seminary, I'm studying Jewish philosophy, you know, throughout Mm -hmm. time. 
I love that. I think <laughs> that is, I'm, it's funny. Right? We recently found out that my grandma was actually half Jewish. And then during the war, um, her father, who was Jewish, basically he, they put her grand, my grandma's grandparents name on her birth certificate because they were afraid Hitler was going to come to Scotland. And so we never knew why she never had her parents name on her birth certificate because she was Jewish. So anyways, after she passed away, we found out that we are part Jewish. So I also knew, yeah, it was like the coolest story ever. Um, but I, I love that you're studying that and I, in the psychology and like the way those two would work together, I found it be so fascinating looking at that kind of a, like a religion that has been so oppressed um, for so long. And then even looking at diet culture and the way women are supposed to conform to something and are suppressed and as well. Um, so interesting. Yeah, definitely. Socio- like sociology at Columbia has given me such a perspective mm. onto how diet culture works. And I took some psychology classes at the beginning of college and I was super interested in them. And then I took a psychology class or I took a sociology class and it completely blew my mind because it was like, what are the forces that shape what we're going through and that shape what other people are going through on a daily basis on a larger scale. So that was kind of part of the impetus for me to realize that what I was going through wasn't just me and that there were so many larger factors happening that were making millions of people feel like they were the only one and feel like they were alone in their problems relating to body image and not being able to accept themselves. So even though the classes I was taking weren't really talking about that directly because we still have a ways to go before diet culture is discussed in the classroom, even in mm. liberal arts schools. Um, I was kind of making, trying to make the connections on my own and thinking like, okay, so if all of these things about gender and race and sexuality are happening on a large scale, then the way that I feel about my body must be also. Mm. It's so true. And like, I know for myself, a huge part of my eating disorder recovery was realizing I wasn't broken there was nothing wrong with me. Like I was my product of my own environment. Like I was like, if you gave me, like if someone, you looked at it, like some kind of a math equation, like if you put in all the variables of, you know, diet culture, where I was working, um, you know, like not having a big social circle, being primed your whole life, that weight loss is the key to happiness, social media. Like if you threw in all those variables, the only logical like result you would have would be an eating disorder like it was Uh it was like I would I didn't even stand a friggin chance and yet there I was thinking something was wrong with me and society was being like oh you have an eating disorder and it's like it's like you made me that way and it's not so much as a blame as much as an understanding and then from that space deciding to take a stand and talk about it which you do and you know really being empowered and being like, this is not okay that we're told to subject our bodies to this and we have to conform to this. We have so much more to offer the world. And it's like, ah. <laughs> I know. It's it's so frustrating. And I feel like once I kind of learned exactly what you just said, that it was something that was imposed on me and the hatred of our own bodies and you know the obsession with food and exercise wasn't something that I was born with. It was something that I was taught every single day in these tiny ways and these bigger ways throughout my life and once I realized that it wasn't my fault and that there were these bigger forces I honestly got extremely angry and I'm still a little bit angry but I feel like that's almost the first step into being able to process and conceptualize what diet culture is and what it does to us because they I mean diet culture robs us of our agency and it robs us of so much mental space and 
you know, the realization that we have much more to offer to the world than our bodies. So I think the only proper response to that is anger and frustration, Mm -hmm. which can eventually evolve into speaking about our experiences and connecting with other people and trying to change it. But it makes perfect sense to be frustrated um, at what diet culture has taken away from us. Yeah. And it's funny being on this side of it now and seeing so many people still so stuck in it. And it's, it's one of those things where you don't even realize that you're in it because you're so in it. And so like, I even posted on social media this morning, like I have so much friggin' energy right now. Like I'm just a ball of like light and energy because I don't give a fuck. Like I literally went to bed last night and I had like a giant cookie and I had like a vegan nut bar. I'm not vegan. I just really enjoyed it. I was like friggin' good. I mean, people can do what they want, eat whatever they want. Um, make them feel good. Like I'm not trying to impose any like eating restrictions on anyone or anything. Um, but like literally I was just sitting in bed and I was like right writing, working on a book. And I was just like, so happy. And my mind was so like, I could think about whatever I wanted to, like, I wasn't restricted to like, Oh, I shouldn't have eaten this. And tomorrow I have to go and work out and I have to compensate and Oh, I'm a bad person. And like so much energy and mental chatter and is just wasted. Like it's just wasted. And we have so much in us. We can do so much. And yet we're sitting there feeling fucking guilty about a cupcake like oh my god like I just want to punch a wall like you have more than the cupcake girl like (laughs) it's so true and I feel like yeah for me too the things that I ate and how much I exercised just took up so much mental space but it was almost Mm -hmm. like weirdly satisfying in a way at the time because I was like oh I can just cope with whatever's going on by thinking about this and if there was something that I was sad about or upset about or something that really demanded my mental attention but I didn't want to put attention to I would just I would just start thinking about how many calories I'd eaten that day or how many reps I was going to do in the gym and it was almost like this coping mechanism for the things that I didn't want to actually put my mind to Um, and now I can definitely see that it's not a healthy coping mechanism, but I feel like at the time I didn't even realize that it was a coping mechanism. I just thought it was equally important as all the other things in my life, if not far more important. And now I realize that is very far from the truth. Yeah. But it's like, everyone tells us it's so important. Like, oh, your health is number one. And like, and people talk about health. They talk about like how you look physically and being really restrictive, and so it's just like the, the word health is just so, it's just so muddled at this point. Like no one, like, it's just, people think health is living in a space of restriction and hate and counting calories and all that. And like, it's just waste so much time on that. And I know for myself, like when it comes to um, like eating the food and like using it as a way to cope and numb out. Like, yeah, like I'd come home from like a long day and instead of trying to be like, Whoa, my God, you know, this job is too much. I can't do this corporate job. I'm overwhelmed. I don't enjoy this. What is like an easier thing for me to hate myself more for, or like think about it's going to be food. So it's kind of like a pick your poison. It's like either I hate myself for, you know, not liking the career I'm in and like, but from that space and getting really real and really honest, I can transform. I can be like, okay, this isn't serving me other, but it's like, I don't, so always choose the other poison, which was I'm going to eat a bunch of food and hate myself for that. And then there's no, you're stuck in that. Like, it's like, there's no progress. There's no getting real. It's just every time I'm confronted with something, 
I'm not enjoying or something painful, I'm always just going to pick the food because that's safe. I don't have to move beyond that. I can stay stuck in this bubble of like awful comfort, uncomfortableness versus getting real and getting uncomfortable in what I was actually facing in my life and the problems that were actually there. Because if I did that, then I would have to change. Then I could actually have this amazing life. But that was equally as scary to step into that power. And I was able to keep myself small and, you know, and by society standards, acceptable by always using food. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I I just feel this very hard and I feel like a lot of it is about being able to control something um, and like food and exercise is something that I felt I could control and I know you relate to this, like I could control how many meals I was eating and what time I was eating them, shout out to intermittent fasting, I hate you, um, and, and like, you know, what portion sizes, quote unquote, I was having, and when I was working out and how, when the rest of the world felt like completely out of my grasp and completely Mm -hmm. uncontrollable. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I really experienced this most um, about two years ago when my best friend was killed in a plane crash Mm -hmm. and along with her family. And of course it was the most, devastating thing that I've ever experienced but in the months you know after that I was still going on with restrictive food and exercise behaviors and even when I was like in the crux of grieving so intensely and I could barely get off the couch to have a conversation with someone I still forced myself to work out, even when I could barely eat, I still forced myself to go to the gym, even when I didn't understand what God was or what the world was, or if there was any sense to any of it, I felt like there were these small things that I could control. And I just put my emphasis on that. And once I found body acceptance, you know, maybe six months after the tragedy that happened, and I started reforming my relationship with my body and with food, It was only then that I actually had to fully come to terms with my grief and my mourning and what had really happened during that period of time because I had these ways to control and distract myself from the experience. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry that happened. That I can only imagine how difficult that must have been. And it's so again, it's so confusing because if you if someone would have looked in and said and said, Oh, you're going and you're exercising, they'd have thought, Oh, she's getting better or she's coping. She's mm-hmm. using exercise to cope versus using exercise to distract. And it's it's very difficult in this society. And I know we're chatting about it before we kind of hopped on. Like, for me, what's the borderline between, you know, it becoming like an eating disorder or compulsive exercise and just being really motivated and having a lot of willpower? Mm-hmm. And for me, I really struggled with that because I was praised so immensely for never missing a workout and being so regimented and weighing all my food on the food scales and all that shit. And then at what point does that become like, this is my whole fucking life. I am obsessed. I'm obsessed. I'm not dealing with the world around me, but everyone's telling me I'm doing amazing. And it's just, ugh. <laughs> oh, it's such a weird it is such a weird thing, as we were talking about before, how you are so praised for having so much willpower and being so determined and never giving up until society decides you're pathological. And yeah. usually that depends on body size, which, 
you know, it was a huge problem with weight mm-hmm. stigma where people in bigger bodies could be engaging in disordered behaviors and they're praised for it. Mm-hmm. But then once you're in a smaller body, it's like, oh my God, this person is quote unquote crazy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like they're yeah. sick and it's like, there's a very fine line and it's like a few pounds of like what oh. we consider health, like quote unquote healthy and what is unhealthy. Yeah. But like, again, health, that word is just, ugh. We're using it for, yeah, we use it so incorrectly. I mean, like, society uses it so incorrectly. And, like, for me, I I honestly never reached the point of people being worried about me because mm-hmm. I never was really thin. Mm-hmm. Um, so even when I was at the most intense points of restriction and disordered eating and exercise obsession and addiction – my body was still deemed palatable by society. Mm-hmm. So I was always praised and nobody ever reached out and said, are you okay? Nobody ever was like, I'm worried about you because even when, I actually just remembered this, um, even when I was at like the peak of my disordered relationship with food and exercise, I remember going to the doctor for a yearly checkup and she said to me, you need to lose 12 pounds. <gasps> oh. I had... I was eating one meal a day at the time. I was exercising for an hour and a half a day. And I had headaches every morning. You know, I was thinking about food constantly, all the symptoms that we just know too well. And I went into the doctor and she was like, you are overweight. You need to lose weight. Um, And I will never, ever forget that. Um, That really stuck with me. So this is why I'm constantly, constantly telling people to, first of all, you don't ever have to be weighed at the doctor. Just Mm -hmm. don't do it for your mental health. I would encourage if you're on this journey, please don't. Um, You can just ask your doctor not to be weighed or just turn around when you step on the scale. But also, it's just so important to not compliment people on weight loss because you never know what they're going through. And I feel like my mentality has shifted so much. Whereas in the past, I used to see people who had lost weight or were in smaller bodies. And I used to think, oh my God, that's amazing. They must be doing so well mentally and physically. I wish I could be like them. Now, you know, I don't really think that much about people's body size. But if I know someone who's lost a lot of weight, I genuinely want to check in on them and say, like, are you okay? Because nobody ever checked in on me. And for me, when my weight was the lowest was when I was when my health mentally and physically was at the worst point possible. So the correlation and the co- the connection that our society draws between body size and health. And it's just, Oh my God, just so misinformed and so incorrect and almost completely counterintuitive and often the opposite of what's true in people's actual lives. Oh, there are so many things that I just wanted to just be like, yes. Like <laughs> I like, I don't even like it's, you know, like um, slam poetry, like snapping and stuff. I was just like, yes. <laughs> Yes, there's so much yes. Because yeah, like when I was at my lowest weight and the thing for me, I'd I'd always been an athlete, but then I had put on quite a bit of weight. I was in a larger body, which again, wasn't deemed acceptable by society. But when I lost a bunch of weight really quickly, what was left underneath was like shredded abs and really muscular appearance. So I looked very quote unquote healthy. So no one questioned, you know, that I was struggling and that I was sleeping an hour a night. And then I was, you know, drinking monster energy drinks and taking caffeine pills and blah, 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 to try to like live this way. And I was the most unhappy in my life when I was at my thinnest, when I was the skinniest 
you know, when I had the before and the after picture, I was the unhappiness in the after picture. And no one talks about that. No one talks about it. They just, you know, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm not happy. I am big and I am not smiling. I'm not wearing makeup and my hair's in a messy bun. I'm wearing sweatpants and I'm in a dark room. After one, it's like, oh, and I'm in a tight dress and I'm fully made up and my hair is perfect and I'm polished. And it's like, we're just so primed to believe that our life would be inherently better in a smaller body. And like you said, like we need to question if people, you know, like just in general, regardless of weight loss, weight gain, like, are you okay? Like getting real because we're afraid to ask the real questions. But when we don't ask the real questions, we, we end up with a society of diet culture where we're so of, you know, it's like fat shaming and afraid um, of what we might look like if we gain weight, lose weight, blah, blah, blah. Like it's just, it's so fake and yet we're all so desperate for connection but we just don't have the courage to seek it out oh my god amen (laughs) people i mean the before and after pictures that we see all the time that i have mostly unfollowed all of those accounts that have those um you hear people talking about how much happier they are when they lose weight and you know i've reflected and thought about that and i feel like part of it is because our society is fat phobic and our society treats people who are in smaller bodies better. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. And it's really extremely scary. And it's the discrimination that fat people face every single day. And I feel like part of that, it also involves representation in that, of course, we know if you're in a bigger body, you can obviously live an incredible life and be happy and successful and healthy and loved and all the things that we're told we can only be when we're thin. But yet we don't have like robust representation of people in bigger bodies in any type of media. I mean, of course, there's a few shows that here and there, like Dietland is amazing and then Shrill is super good. But in a societal level, it really doesn't exist. And I feel like I heard a quote recently, you can't see... It's harder to see it, or it's harder to be it if you can't see it. So, like, we need that representation of people who aren't thin being able to live a wonderful life just as they should. And then hopefully, like, through a bunch of changes, maybe our society will begin to treat people in bigger bodies better. Um, I really have hope that it's going to change because people are fighting for it. But that's just, like, why I think people tend to have these raving reviews of you know, losing weight or being in a smaller body. And also I think part of it comes from obviously the praise that they get, but yeah. That's so interesting. I never like, obviously like, cause I experienced it and people would, you know, praise me and be like, you look amazing. And then I got a boyfriend and you know, like all these cool things happened in my life that I'd always wanted. And for me, it came with that smaller body, but it was because society is so, you know, we're indoctrinated to treat you better in a smaller body that it it was like a false happiness. It was a false connection. It was a false, like, this is what my life should be because it was based off of the expectations of like what society said would make me happy versus what would actually make me happy. I never was truly happy. You know, I never was, I never felt on the inside, like, oh yeah, like I am happy with who I am. Like, oh my God, I had so much anxiety. Like I wasn't, I couldn't sit down. I wasn't sleeping. So it was, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know. There's such a difference between trying to fit into the mold of what society tells you to be versus creating your own experience. Mm -hmm. And I feel like both of us used to be in that, not to speak for you, but from what you said, like both of us used to be in that mentality of 
society says we'll be happy if we do X, Y, and Z. So oh. we're going to do that. And I mean, I did for a while. Um, you know, I really thought that like changing my body and trying to attain a picturesque version of health that I was told every single day I needed to be, I thought that that would satisfy me and make me happy. Um, and that would come along with, you know, success and admiration and love and all of those things. But I've never been happier than I am now, but I've actually accepted myself, um, which is crazy because if I had seen myself now two years ago, I would have been horrified by the way my body looks. I would have seen my stomach rolls. I would have seen, you know, the dimples on my legs and I would have seen my arms and I would have literally been disgusted and would not have been able to look at myself because I was just full of so much diet culture within me and so much of an obsession with health but like I, I would have been like you must not be happy you must be doing horribly but <laughs> the thing is I feel like through learning honestly I've learned so much through Instagram through Instagram educators I realized that you can completely create your own experience and your own definition of what it means to be fulfilled and satisfied and live a meaningful life and you know when I started learning more about body acceptance, I started talking to my friends and my boyfriend and my family more about it. And they've all kind of evolved the way that they see bodies as well mm -hmm. through their own learning, which is so cool because we've all started to develop our own idea of what it means to accept ourselves. And it doesn't fall in line with society's ideas, but yet we're all the better for it. Yeah. And it's so interesting to have the fa your family and your friends going on that journey but as as well like if you are on that journey sometimes people don't want to be on that journey uh -huh. and letting those people go you know like letting yeah. the people go and unfollowing those accounts like I am I don't follow anyone on my social media that is smaller than me just because it doesn't make me feel good um, it's nothing people in smaller bodies. It's just for myself personally. I want a lot of representation of a larger body and that I can be happy in a larger body. And so for me, yeah. it's like a personal a personal thing where I also curate in a way, like I call it crowding out. So I don't just follow shredded people with abs and stick thin bodies. Like, no, I follow a bunch of funny animal accounts and travel <laughs> accounts and best restaurants and cool hikes around the world. And like all, I really crowd out my feed with all these amazing things so that I'm not just hyper-focused zoom lens on what my body should look like. Cause there's more to life. And if we have the representation, if we see bigger bodies living their best life, then we're like, I can be that too. I can live that. And it's like you said before, I mean, I was at the psychologist and they said, you know, if gaining 10 pounds is the difference between being happy, wouldn't it be worth it? And in that moment I said, no, I couldn't imagine gaining 10 pounds. That was, that was scarier than death to me. Yeah. And yet here I am, you know, all this time later being like, oh, Victoria, girl, like your life is so good. But because yeah. society told me it couldn't be, you know, I had to really, like you said, go out and create that experience for myself. And a lot of that is through exposure and, you know, seeing what is possible, creating that light at the end of the tunnel that you can walk towards. Oh my God. That's, that honestly was the most helpful thing for me to like <laughs> completely revamp my social media because, okay, I'm just going to go out on a limb and admit that I spend a lot of time on Instagram and I don't want to admit it like, but I think we all do. And so what we see just like affects our brains so much. Mm -hmm. And what I was seeing every day was um, 
Fitspo accounts, exercise Ooh. accounts, yeah. and what else? Um, vegan nutritionists, but we're trying to compare like how you could eat the least amount of calories in a meal. So oh. that was what I was seeing every day. And this is just what fills our brain and creates the way that we see the world and think about it. And so there was a point when I realized I basically had to unfollow nearly every account that I was following, including some people I knew, which was hard, but also completely necessary. And you're never under any obligation to follow someone. Um, so I unfollowed all of those. And now I, I'm just like you. I need to follow more cute dog videos though. Um, yeah. But like, I follow so many accounts with different types of bodies, different yes. shapes, sizes, colors, races, genders, abilities. And I like, I love going on Instagram now. And I used to go on Instagram and then leave feeling like shit mm -hmm. and being like, okay, what can I do to change myself? Yes. Versus now I go on it and I'm like, okay, what can I do to embrace myself further? Because now I see all these people who are just, you know, they don't have a standard of something they, that they have to work towards just except being the most authentically them. Um, and that's, this is like what I tell uh, my friends, the first step to working towards self-acceptance is to expose yourself to yes. what actual people look like in the actual world. Because a tiny fraction of the people in the world look like the models we see on TV and on Instagram. It's a completely unrealistic standard for anyone to hold themselves towards. And most of the time, they don't even look like themselves. No, which... not all. Like, I see, because, like, I'm in Bali, right, which is the land of influencers. Yeah. And so I straight up will see a girl on the street, and I'm like, oh, that's that person who has, like, a million followers. I see what her body looks like. I see the picture next day. I'm like, you don't look anything like that. <laughs> like, literally. Like, you look nothing like it. And... It's like it's Photoshop, the angles are changed, like they literally yeah. morph different pictures together. And then I'm sitting there being like, I don't look like her. And it's like, no one looks like her. She doesn't look oh like god. her. Like <laughs> Oh my God. I know. It's like we're being just like sold this curated and morphed and photoshopped mm -hmm. and completely not real mm -hmm. image that's portrayed as reality. So like we see it and we're like, oh we're we don't look like that we don't go to those cool places and then we start blaming ourselves when that's kind of like what the what the point of Instagram is it's like comparing yourself to other people which is why it's so important to curate your own feed because if you don't do anything if you just go on Instagram and it's a blank slate Instagram will start putting things on your explore page of influencers that you should follow and people with the most followers. And those are the people that honestly made me feel the worst about myself. Yeah. Um, and so like on my Instagram, I really try to <laughs> make it an accurate portrayal of my life. And, you know, I, of course, fall short because I'm human, but there was a period where I was just like posting crying photos and mm. posting photos with myself not smiling. Because even just the act of taking a photo, we're performing and we're yeah. trying to like create this reality that might not be the way we feel. So, I mean, I kind of wish that social media was a place that we could show our flaws yeah. and therefore other people wouldn't feel as self-conscious and as strange for being human. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like even accounts like the birds papaya, do you... you um, who like literally she has um, like a lot of stretch marks and you know she's had children and her stomach after having children and like it's just like a real female body 
yeah. and it's like no one and it was like this revolution that she's you know showing her body and like so many people follow her because no one's shown like what a woman's stomach really looks like after she's had a child or after yeah. you know whatever's happened because we're so used to it looking a certain way and so having that exposure but as well I know for myself I thought I was serving myself by following those accounts like I thought this is going to inspire me if I'm always looking at abs all day long I'm going to get off the couch and go to the gym and that's kind of where I was at like I look at all these perfectly made meals that have perfect macros blah 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 that I'm going to want to eat like that like I looked at it like this was my fuel and I needed to be looking at these accounts in order for me to get to that place when reality what was happening was I was looking at these accounts on a conscious level being like, oh yeah, I want to be like that. Subconsciously, I always felt like shit. And then anytime I did something to not honor that, you know, anytime I had a cookie or anytime I missed the gym because I was, you know, having a human life, I would feel terrible because, you know, I felt like I was not upholding this ideal that I wanted to have. And then that would just compound shame. And then, you know, I always talk about like the fuck it mentality. It's like, oh, I had one cookie. Fuck it. Might as well have 30 cookies because I'm already not going to live up to this expectation of what is on my feed. I might as well just go the total opposite direction because I'm already a bad person for, you know, not eating this way, not looking this way anyways. Oh, oh I feel that so much. <laughs> yeah. I, feel, I also felt like it was supposed to be an inspiration but it didn't feel like an inspiration inside even though in my mind I was like goals you know I think I don't know if this is a term but I feel like it should be goals culture where Mm -hmm. like everything you see is something that you try to aspire to but inside it actually makes you feel like crap Um, (laughs) and then when you don't live up to that in your life you you feel like a failure the paradox of goals culture (laughs) <laughs> we should write a book about it we, should, we could definitely you me and i will just collab on this i feel like we would have a lot oh to God, say yes. 100 <laughs> percent. i'm like yeah i think another thing that's great about following these different accounts is that you really you really don't feel alone and like for the first part of my body acceptance journey maybe even like the first six months to a year and kind of still now honestly like I didn't feel like people in my life entirely understood what I was going through and learning. And you can't really just go up to someone and slap a 300 page book on their lap and say, read this and understand everything about diet culture. Um, Because it kind of has to be a self-inspired journey. Like if someone had told me two years ago, um, you should eat breakfast. I would have been like, no, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm not going to. If someone had said, just accept yourself, just love yourself and stop feeling like you have to work out all the time. I would have said, who the hell do you think you are? Or like, yeah. I know what I'm doing. So basically I feel like it's hard to get someone to push someone else to be on that journey. And they have to kind of have some desire on their own which is why it was difficult for me at the beginning because I felt like I was very alone. Um, And that's when I started following all these different people and realizing like, okay, I might not have a community in person necessarily that cares about these issues, but there is a community of people in the world. And it just gives me hope on a grand scale for these issues, for issues like fat phobia and issues like disordered eating and eating disorders and weight stigma and fighting back against diet culture. When I think about it alone, I feel like these issues will never get solved. 
but then once I access that online community of all of these just like networks of accounts, I start feeling like, okay, there's actually power here. And we have a structure where we can support each other, but we can also go out and improve the way the world sees bodies. Yes. Mm. It's like we're talking at the beginning. It's like woman supporting woman. We're all just like, you know, like everyone's supporting each other and like diet culture going down. We're all in this together. And like, yeah, we're not alone in this. And especially when you are, you spent so long going down the rabbit hole of this is how my body's supposed to be and being really obsessed, your environment can start to reflect that. And so when you start to choose recovery, you start to choose a different life. It's very difficult at first because I know for myself, I had built this world around me that was really used to my, the old Victoria. And so when I had to make that very big first step, which seemed very scary to be like, no, I'm struggling. I'm not okay. I'm sick. I need help. Like, I'm not like, this is not normal, even though like society standard, blah, blah, blah. Um, Mm -hmm. Like (laughs) I had to look to things like social media and really expose myself to this world and this virtual environment because my actual physical environment around me was no longer what I needed it to be for me to heal. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's amazing. And I feel like, you know, so many people talk badly about social media for good reason. Um, and I think like it can be a really damaging space, but it can also be a space that can help us in so many ways but we have to be intentional about it. So like, I think we both definitely found our community and like, it's, it's kind of a testament to the power of social media that it can either make or break us. It put us in our worst and most intense modes of Mm -hmm. restriction and disordered eating, but then it also brought us out. And the only difference was how we chose to use it and the tools that we chose to use um, in order to either hurt us or heal us. So I feel like that's a really empowering thing that like in this little palm sized device in our hand, we have the power to completely change our mentality. And it, t- it just takes like one little opening to start to do that. Um, so no matter how down I get about all the issues, I'm like, I keep reminding myself that we do have power and agency in how we curate and cultivate our experience online, which really translates into our actions and our lives and the real world. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause social media almost killed me. It also saved my life. So yeah. yeah. And also I think like part of it for me really relates to identity. Mm-hmm. And I think when I was in my years of restriction and obsession over physical health, you know, loaded term, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. I, I perceive my own identity and I think others perceive my identity as the healthy friend or the healthy one or um, the one that people kind of look up to in terms of like discipline and working out quotes around all those things, please. Um, And So I think it was really, really difficult for me once I stopped doing those things. Like there was a, a big part of my body acceptance journey. I was still working out all the time. I was still restricting my food, even though my ideology had changed. I couldn't actually in, implement it because I I saw myself as one thing. Like I saw myself as the healthy friend, the healthy cousin, the healthy sister um, that was always going for runs and that everyone was kind of looking at in admiration for that. Um, so it took really seeing 
like people dropping those identities and still being being okay and then the other identities that can exist outside of that um for me to say okay i need to take months and i need to not go to the gym for those months and i need to eat cake for no freaking reason and even if it's not a birthday and i need to just like let my body guide me um and it was so hard because over that time i saw people trying to negotiate with how my identity was changing and like not hearing me say every night oh, I'm going to go to the gym and every morning I'm going to get up early to work out and not hearing me say oh I haven't eaten in 10 hours like I'm so hungry um but rather hearing me say okay let's talk about fat phobia and diet culture and so I feel like you really need to see other people having identities outside of their bodies in order to realize that you have more to offer to the world besides your body you have so much like mental capabilities so many emotional capabilities who you are as a friend as a person like as a student as a worker like all these things in your life but you know before that i really only saw myself um as with that identity of health and my body yes oh and there's definitely and i know myself if i really had a period of mourning around that part of myself because i had built my entire identity around i would be happy when i got into the smaller body and you know, I am the girl who goes to the gym and restricts eat this way. And so what is left if I give that up? But what the cool thing was I got to just like, it wasn't that I had to even necessarily redefine myself. It was what was always there. It was just under so many layers. And I got to finally see who I was after years and years of layering on shame and guilt and hatred and peel back and just like unleash this beauty inside of me. And now I live in fucking Bali and I work online. I get to be talking to you. And it's like, everything was in there. I just was so afraid to let it out because it wasn't what society said it should be. But now that I'm here, I'm like, fucking hear me roar. Like, let's go Mm -hmm. because I have so much to offer the world and I cannot be contained in that smaller body that the world was telling I should be in. Oh my God, that could not be more true. Honestly, I feel like, like we do all have such you know, incredible qualities and strong identities that are almost buried. And I like to think about when I was a kid and like when we were all kids, you know, and we would just run around and eat when we were hungry and we had so many interests and so many things we were excited about, like genuinely excited about. And that's what I feel like diet culture has robbed a lot of people of, which (laughs) is very frustrating. But at the same time, that's a part of you, like that's a part of us that we can always reclaim and that we can always go back to no matter how many years it's been. You know, I'll talk to my parents and their friends and my grandparents' friends who are in their 50s, in their 70s, who have spent an entire life in diet culture, whose identities, like and all that they have to offer the world has been buried to themselves um, for so many years. And when we talk about it, it's kind of like watching them go through a process of remembering who they really are and trying to dig up those, those qualities about themselves and those things that often other people do see in them, but they can't see in themselves because they're thinking so much about their weight. Um, and so I think we have like a finite amount of space in our brain um, in order to think about things in a finite amount of time in the day. And the more time we're spending thinking about weight, the less time we're dedicating to every other facet of our identity 
So I just love that process, like how you said, like finding who we really are, because, you know, it never went away. It was always there. And just being able to dig back up those qualities that were there all along. Yes. Mm. Right. We could talk for hours and hours. So I have one question to ask you, and that is, if you had to weigh in on one thing that you think makes people happy, what would that be? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, okay, I honestly think that what makes people happy is being part of a genuine community. Um, and it doesn't have to be in person, just like we said. It can be online. It can be people far away in other countries. It can be even like an imagined community that you know other people outside out there in the world are relating to you in some way um but I found that in every aspect of my life being surrounded by people who care about me and who I care about and who are dedicated to each other in an authentic way um has been the thing that's made me feel most fulfilled and most happy um and feel like life is the most meaningful because we have you know this dedication to each other and you know, I've been through some very difficult times in the past few years through the death of my best friend and through other deaths and difficult experiences. And the really the main thing that's gotten me through that has been community. And I feel like that word is thrown around so much and it's so frustrating because it is a really important and poignant and beautiful concept, but it's used in ways that I don't really think it fits. Mm-hmm. I think a community is intentional and cares about each other and it's people who can actually rely on each other and I truly think that every single person deserves to feel like they're a part of a community um so it's been really cool for me to become a part of the body positivity and body acceptance community online because I feel like it's a community that's accessible and open to anyone who wants to be a part of it of course it has its problems just like every community um but for me that's that's really what I think truly makes people happy. I, like, oh my goodness. Like, I am so on that right now. Like, my, <laughs> I am so in the space of building community and building real connection. Because, like, even Mel Robbins said um, in a video, she said, connection heals addiction. And, like, that kind of addictive, you know, you're trying to, you know, fill in things in your life to make yourself feel better. And, like, it's all the wrong things. It's because you're just so desperate for that connection, connection to self, connection to others, connection to the world. And we just end up throwing in all these external things like food and drugs and alcohol and material, whatever, Mm -hmm. because we're so desperate for that community and that connection, a feeling of belonging. And when we feel like we belong, that is happiness. So yes yes amen you guys have been missing it we're like literally as each one of us is talking <laughs> we've been snapping the whole time like we're at like a like silently snapping our fingers like we're on video chat to like be like yes girl like we're supporting each other as we're talking <laughs> we're like throwing our hands up to the air like raising them yeah, we're like praising we're like yes more more of this oh so good so where can people find you? Because you are friggin' amazing. So. Oh my God. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. People can find me on Instagram at Bopo underscore Blossom. B-O-P-L underscore B-L-O-S-S-O-M. And I think that's the only place where I would like people to find me. <laughs> Perfect.
topic don't look for anywhere else and i'll put that below in the show notes you guys can easily um go and follow her and see all her amazingness and how she's so real on social media and we need more of that that vulnerability and yeah just want to say thank you so much for coming on today like really enjoyed the conversation we could have kept talking for years and years so thank you so much victoria it was truly incredible to speak to you i feel like this was such a meaningful conversation and i really appreciate you and thanks to everyone listening yeah thank you guys and until next you guys i hope you have a fabulous day bye-bye hey you guys thank you so much for listening to this episode with jillian we had the best time ever recording if you enjoyed it as much as we did then please rate and review it helps me out so much to get in front of more people Additionally, if you want some more information on my coaching program, I'm an intuitive eating coach, so I help women stop food fear and guilt so that they can eat effortlessly and intuitively. So for more on that, please check out my website, www.victoriaevansofficial.com, or you can find me on Instagram at at victoriaevansofficial, where I'm super active and answer everyone in the DMs. And finally, I also have a Facebook group, Intuitive Eating Support Group for Badass Women. So if you want some community like we talked about there in the podcast, then please check that out. All of that will also be below for you in the show notes. All right, you guys, until next week, I hope you have a fabulous day. Bye-bye.